0: My goals today are simple. If you don't know the Lord, I pray that you'll settle that today and begin a relationship with him. And if you do know him, I hope that you'll fall more in love with him today and want to serve him all the more. And also, secondly, I want us as believers to be able to learn to discern his voice and then obey him and reap the rewards of a spirit-filled life. Let's pray. Lord, come be with us. Come be with us here. Show us who you are. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts to see you more clearly. Lead us and speak to us. Feed us your daily bread. And as we draw near to you, we invite you to come meet us and draw near to us. We love you and declare a need for you. An American tourist was walking the grounds of one residence of the British uh, royal family. She crossed paths with an elderly lady and a man, and they exchanged a brief greeting. And the visitor asked the man and the woman if they had ever seen or met the queen. They replied, yes, indeed, they had met the queen. And the visitor further pressed them more information. I have a question. Is she kind? Asked the tourist. The elderly woman replied, quite kind, I believe. And she turned to her male escort and asked, do you agree? Her male escort smiled easily. And he echoed her sentiment. Yes, she is quite kind indeed. The visitor thanked them and left thrilled that she had met someone who had met the Queen. The chance encounter during the tour of the grounds was very satisfying and worth all of her effort to get there. What the American tourist did not realize was she was not speaking to any ordinary English citizen. She had an audience with queen elizabeth herself and didn't realize it how do you know god you know we get ideas from god from growing up from family from school from friends from church if we attended from culture and society these ideas can be helpful or maybe not so much but god is known by revelation jesus asked his disciples who do people say For flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. Just like the tourist with the Queen of England, we can miss God without eyes to see. Thankfully, God gives searching hearts eyes to see. Lord, we just thank you for revelation of who you are, Give us eyes to see you today. Secondly, God is known of expectancy. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. So when you expect to meet someone or you're having someone at your home, you have expectancy. You look forward to their coming. You prepare if there's time. And so it is with God It's said that there's a God-shaped vacuum in every heart that can only be filled with him. It's naturally supernatural that we should be curious and long for and be expectant to know God. Psalm 4610 has two verbs in it. It calls for two actions. Be still. No. Being still means simply stay in the same place. Note that when you're still, you're most likely quiet. When you're quiet, you can hear. You know, our culture's afraid of quiet. Have you noticed that? When you're quiet, you have to face yourself. You can feel alone. But there's been centuries of quiet without social media before now. I wonder if our present time isn't the loneliest of all, in spite of all the social media. But when you go to the Hebrew meaning for the word still, it means let go or release. And another resource says it means to stop striving or surrender. Do you get the idea that being still means to make, to place ourselves in a state of readiness to meet God? And the second command is know. Know that I am God. Know means to believe, recognize, understand. Know in Hebrew, it doesn't mean to simply know someone like you know an acquaintance. In this context, it means to know intimately. You know this person very well. Like a trusted friend or a close family member. You could place their coffee order. <laughs> you know them so well. You know the right flavor, the right sweetener, the right dairy on top. So anyway, if the American tourist had studied pictures of the queen and knew her habits to walk her grounds, perhaps she wouldn't have missed a real audience with a queen. Lord, just create a heart in us that is expectant and ready to encounter you. Thirdly, God is known through relationship. After he was baptized, Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, settling on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew three sixteen through 17. Jesus was an example of relationship. He related to God as Father. He understood who he was as a son. You know, once I was behind a very nice car and it had a license plate and it had three letters and then it had a space and then it had JR. So I thought, this vehicle is owned by a man who's named directly after his father. He was so and so Jr. At first, I thought, "Oh, how great it would be to be named after a really great man," and I wondered if the father was excited to have a son to carry on his name, perhaps his business, receive his fortune. Then, just the opposite thought occurred to me. I was terrified at the thought of poor Junior having to live up to the reputation of a really great man. But then I thought about God. We are sons and daughters we are all juniors we all inherit all of God we have access to him and we have access to all his fortune and we all get to carry on his will you know that he delights in us he loves us whether we're six or 16 or 60 he wants us to reflect his character you know what he's not worried that we're immature he's not worried that we're weak or that we have gaps in our character. He is committed to us. He's paid ahead for all of our mistakes. He's paid ahead for all of our sins. And he patiently waits for us to catch on that he is completely good and completely trustworthy. Bill Johnson, a pastor in California, put it this way, God has given himself to his children as an inheritance. Nothing stretches the imagination more than this truth. So instead of being terrified of being junior, know that it's our greatest gift to be his family. And continuing on, Bill Johnson also said, my life's great honor is to guard and cultivate my relationship with him. I think that's worth saying again. My life's great honor is to guard and cultivate my relationship with him. It is a relational journey. However much I long to see cancer eradicated, blind eyes opened, or the oppressed set free, these quests come second to my desire to simply be in his presence. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. God is the great rewarder. Lord, I just thank you that we are all juniors. As we have called on your name, we are all your sons and your daughters. Help us to guard and cultivate relationship with you. Fourth, God is known by his works. Elohim is the first name used for God in Genesis, meaning mighty and creator. The intricate details in all of creation point to the intentional design of God as creator. We are part of God's intentional design. In Psalm 139.14, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I worked as an OB nurse for 11 years. You're going to get a little OB lesson today. (laughs) Birth is miraculous by design. In most births, the baby's head is down in the womb. There's a reason for that, folks. (laughs) It's by design. What's the hardest part and the biggest part of a baby? The head. The head is similar to the size of the door of the birth canal. The baby's skull is designed with sutures or lines in it where the bones can overlap if needed to fit through the birth canal. Isn't that amazing? And along with the force of contractions and mom pushing, the baby's head opens the door of the birth canal. A baby's circulation bypasses the lungs the whole time in the womb. Now we know that's important for us, our blood circulation, to go through the lungs when we're on this side. So with the first breath, the baby's circulation changes. And it goes through the lungs to oxygenate the whole body. The baby has higher-than-normal hematocrit. Well, what's a hematocrit? It's a concentration of red blood cells, and that's at birth, and it assists with adequate oxygenation if needed. The baby's blood clotting factor is immature at birth. It's standard procedure for babies to get a vitamin K shot to help with that, but it's interesting to note that the baby's clotting factor matures to normal on what day? Day eight of life. The eighth day is when the Hebrew boys were circumcised. I wonder if God figured that out. (laughs) The baby's coated with a waxy protective substance called vernix in the womb to keep the skin from drying out. The longer the baby's in the womb, the less vernix there is because it gets rubbed off over time. Babies have an alert period of two hours following birth in which they bond with the parents and they nurse and they try to keep warm. They're wet at birth. And when you get out of a pool, even on a sunny day, you're cold. So they come from a laboring uterus. It's about 103 degrees in there, folks, into a 72-degree room, and they're naked. (laughs) So you want to dry them off and warm them up. And they have an immature hypothalamus, which regulates body temperature. That's why babies need the warmth of the parents' bodies, to cuddle them and a hat on their head. Do you know that a baby will respond to the parent's voice over strangers at birth? You can have, when the nurse is talking and then the parent says something, the baby will turn his or her head toward the parent. The baby has been familiar with the parent's voice from inside the womb for a long time. So I could go on and on, but can you agree with me that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? We're not blobs. We didn't mysteriously come together and form a baby. We are designed by a master creator, Elohim. Lord, we thank you that each of us in this room, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Help us honor you in the body you have given us. And fifthly, God is known by his name. One of the first things you get to know about people when you meet them is their name. And Psalm 910 says, And those who know their, your name put their trust in you. God is like Easter eggs <laughs> that are hidden in plain sight. You know, he wants to be seen, he wants to be known, and he hides himself in plain sight. But he wants us to discover him. I find that the more you know about God, the more you want to know. So let's sprint through just a couple of the many names of God Jehovah Nisi is the Lord is my banner. The banner was the cell phone of the ancient army. The banner was raised on the battlefield when things weren't going well, and soldiers needed to meet together, to gather around to get new orders from the commander when things weren't going well. Have you ever needed fresh strategy in life when things weren't going right? Well, pray to Jehovah Nissi to upgrade your tactical plan. He will show you the next steps to take in the midst of the mess. El Roy is the God who sees. El Roy sees you. He sees injustice, and he not only sees, but his mercy heart is activated by your situation. He wants to meet you where it hurts, where you have need, and he wants to minister wholeness and provision to you. Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. Do you ever find yourself needing more than you can provide for yourself? Well, that's what faith is all about. Corey Ten Boom and her family were Christians, and they, um, out of loving the Lord, they housed Jews in secret rooms of their home in World War II to hide them from Nazis and hopefully prevent a trip to the concentration camp. Food was rationed back then. You just couldn't go to the store and buy whatever you wanted. And she couldn't go and buy enough for 12 people while only five lived at the home. You could only buy what enough for the registered members of the household. They had twice the number of people staying with them. So Corey couldn't do anything to provide extra food for these extra people. But Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides made a way for her to obtain extra ration cards to feed the ones they were hiding. These were printed and fabricated ones. um, And that she had a hard time even accepting those, but she knew those people need to be fed. El Shaddai is the all-sufficient one. Whereas I think of Jehovah Jireh as providing specific needs for an impossible situation without God's help, El Shaddai is ongoing provision, a blanket provision, a constant supply of faithfulness. In this case, Father God makes provision for needs even before we perceive the need. I remember when I was, um, before I was a nurse, I taught art. So anyway, I became a Christian during college. And as a new believer, there's a Christian conference I wanted to go to. My first one. I was so excited. But I realized my bank account had no money in it. So I prayed about it. The next day, a girl in my dorm asked me about one of my paintings I had done for a class earlier, and she asked if I was willing to sell it. I asked her how much she wanted to pay. It was the exact price of the cost of the conference. Lord, thank you for hiding yourself in plain sight. Let us know more of you through your names, and knowing who you are. Amen. Okay, so how do we hear his voice? How does he speak? Well, obviously God speaks through his word. Jesus said, I am the word. So Jesus speaks through the Bible, through scripture, through verses. He never contradicts himself. He's totally consistent and trustworthy. We should study his word so we know what the real is. It's like studying the real $20 bill. So you can recognize a counterfeit when you see it. I often ask God for a Rama word from Scripture. What's a Rama word? A Rama word is like fresh bread. It's a fresh serving of the word. Um, for example... At communion, I might ask God for a rhema word, and I might just hear this word, broken. And how would broken pertain to communion? Well, wheat was broken. His body was broken, and it serves me bread. So my focus for that communion would be giving special thanks for his brokenness to nourish the wholeness in my life. Secondly, God speaks in a small, still voice. We need to learn to listen for and discern his voice. Often the the Lord brings a word to mind or a concept or an idea that I haven't thought of. And the Lord is much more clever than I. (laughs) So I write two emails a week to about 200 people total. One's a devotional asking people to pray for leaders of Oxford, and the other is to encourage the leaders themselves to lead well. Many times I sit at the computer, and I'm blank. I have nothing, nothing to say. But then I wait, and I pray, and I ask God, what have you been teaching me? Or what is on your heart, Lord? And the next thing I know, it's 250 words later, and I press send. It's been occurring for 150 weeks for me. He has been faithful. Number three, God speaks in time with him. Whether it's reading the word or devotional or worship or prayer, God loves to make his presence known. Often the Lord gives me a word before the service, like, set captives free. Well, I know to look for freedom, pray for freedom for myself that morning, Or to pray that when I'm praying for others. Number four, God speaks in everyday life. I would really like to be good at things like grocery shopping and stuff. I have ideas, and I even have great lists. I even have it with me. Here is my wonderful grocery shopping list. But you know what? I can walk out the door missing four items that I need for dinner that night. (laughs) So anyway, I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit... Before I go up to the checkout line, is there anything that I, else that I need, Lord? And sometimes the Holy Spirit will remind me, you didn't get pepper, you didn't get this, you didn't get that. So anyway, he's a great companion and reminder. And another story, when I was single, I was in charge of a potluck rehearsal dinner for a wedding for a couple at our church. That morning, I asked God, what should I wear? At at the dinner I was working in the kitchen, I rounded the corner of the stainless steel table way too close. I was going fast. And the corner of the table caught my skirt and tore a big, huge piece out of the skirt. One of the guys was working in the kitchen, and he had a white apron on, and he offered it to me to cover up my embarrassing mishap because I didn't want to go out into the serving room anymore. So anyway, I thanked him, and later the Lord spoke to me something that I acknowledged, but I held it in open hand for a long time. He said that the man who gave the apron to me was going to cover me, like in the book of Ruth, like meaning marriage. I had never thought of this guy in that regard before. He was younger than I, he was blonde, and I usually went for brunettes. But he was good-looking and strong and had a deep faith. So the word about the apron opened my heart to the possibility of him. His name was Kevin Anderson. (laughs) Years later, we were married. (laughs) Number five, God speaks to us in need. Whether it's acute distress, illness, grief, physical or spiritual or emotional need, God wants to meet us there. When my mom was dying with cancer, I couldn't imagine life without her. She was my cheerleader, my coach, my confidant. My father passed away when I was a baby, so mom and I, we were survivors together with my sister. We shared a special closeness. I remember telling the Lord about my distress. He said, hold on to my hand. I could do that, I could hold a hand. And he also said the next weeks would be like shooting the rapids. Well, I didn't know that I wanted to shoot the rapids, but I knew he was telling me something that I need to pay attention to. So I clung to him with everything I had. During those last weeks of her life, her condition changed rapidly every week. She was stable one week. She had emergency surgery the next week. um, The cancer came back the next week, and then her... Um, electrolytes are off so her mental ability was off as well and in those six weeks I needed emergency surgery I had my gallbladder out two weeks before she died so I think that was called shooting the rapids but you know what he was there for me the whole time he never let me down I was able to have some sweet sweet time with my mom and he comforted me he was present And he gave me the grace to surrender her to her destiny, which is what I needed to do, and to pick up my destiny and to carry on without her. I have a ton more of examples of how God has met me, but I'm going to move on. How does God speak? Or what does God speak? He speaks words of comfort. One name for the Holy Spirit is comforter. That's what Jesus said. He said, I must go so the comforter can come, so you can count on him bringing you comfort. Comfort means I'm with you. Comfort means you are not alone. You will get through this. I feel your pain. I'm with you. I will restore you and bring hope even when the sun is not shining. I had a breakup in college with a boyfriend I worked at a summer camp with. So that fall... Uh, When the breakup was happening, my roommates might come home and find me crying big, wet tears in a big uh, laundry basket of freshly dried clothes. (laughs) I was a believer by then, and I had learned through the Holy Spirit how to cry. Now, what do I mean by that? I knew that there were verses in the Psalms where there was just all hope was lost, There was desperation. And then a few verses later, the writer was spouting praises to God. What happened between those six verses? The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came. What I learned in that, I had my cry. I would cry, and then I would stop, and then I would wait. And in my waiting, I was being still, I was knowing God, and God was meeting me. So when he was faithful, every time I cried, that he would bring words of comfort and hope and restoration to me. Number two is God speaks words of correction. As a patient father, he bears our weakness and immaturity instructs us so we can do better next time. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I can have a bad attitude, I can be mad, I can be judgmental, I can, be, I can procrastinate, I can think of myself first and neglect the one I'm with, or I can do just the opposite. I can think of the other person and totally neglect myself. Neither is right. There are times I need mercy. There's times I need correction. I guard my self-talk. I want to grow and get better in every area of life, but I don't want it to be the devil speaking to me. I shut down lies that say, you'll never be better. You'll always struggle with this. When that conversation comes up, I cut it off because I know it's not from God. It is not from God. If you find yourself calling yourself stupid or dummy, stop it right now. Quit agreeing with the devil. You were on God's team. You bear his image, and he has high value for you. I know that when God corrects me, he never shames me. He knows I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. We have that cleared up. But he always brings hope for my future. He always brings hope. That's a characteristic of God. So look for it and expect it. And number three, God reminds us of who he is. You know, he's the great I am. We've already talked about his characteristics and some of his names. I'm going to move on to God reminds me of who I am. You know, we can forget ourselves at times. I was lost when I was a busy working mom and a homeschooling mom, and the Lord gave me a dream. In the dream... I was in a restaurant with a large group of friends visiting from table to table, but somehow my wallet got stolen out of my purse while I was around visiting. What's valuable in a wallet besides money? Your ID. The Holy Spirit showed me I had allowed my ID to be stolen. I had that season of life forgotten who I was. I forgot what I liked to do or even how to care for myself well. I was lost in mommydom, in dishes and laundry, grocery shopping, co-op, soccer, martial arts, whatever. For mostly everyone else. But you know what? God liked who I was and wanted to bring balance back to my life. He saw that along with my identity some joy slipped out the back door. Once that I saw it was my job, not my husband, not my family, not my friend's job, to guard my identity, I stepped up to the plate. Number four, God gives direction. For my senior year of college, I'd signed up to live in an apartment. We were so excited. I had paid, now this was a lot of money back then, and it was a really long time ago. I paid my $50 deposit (laughs) for the apartment. But the Lord told me I was not to live in that apartment. I wrestled with God on that, but I obediently broke the agreement. I told my friends, and two of my brave friends agreed to live in a dorm with me. Well, all the dorm assignments had been given out by then. Usually a senior, you can get the best dorms on campus. By the time we signed up, the only triplet left on campus was the size of a cracker box. (laughs) We had to take turns entering and leaving. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, it was, however, by divine appointment. Our window faced Scott Hall, where we met guys who were on fire for Jesus. And they were sharing about baptism of the Holy Spirit. God didn't want me to miss the revival, which I would have missed if I had lived in that apartment. So that Scott Hall Fellowship led to Upper Room and led to Zion, so it was a whole movement here for a period of time. I was soon baptized in the Spirit, and my life would never have been the same. And I realized that choices in my life would have never come to me had I not had that um, obedient heart at that time. God has blessed me thousands of times over for choosing him in my housing that year. Number five, God prepares, warns, equips, and assures us of his presence. I was headed to a school board meeting, and the Holy Spirit reminded me, remember everything I've taught you. Whoa, (laughs) I didn't know what to expect. And he said, be ready for a demonic presence at the meeting. Yippee, not really. (laughs) But anyway, I had learned in my life to appeal to authority. So long story short, I was calling the school board to be aware that the high school was basically showing soft porn in their classroom as part of its curriculum and to limit it. A news station was there to film the meeting. There was lots of chaos because um, hundreds of high school students came and were voicing how they were mature enough to handle the content. It was my turn to speak for five minutes at the mic. And as soon as I spoke, I was interrupted by a lady like six feet away, like the first row, and she was yelling at me with the top of her lungs, the F word. She was in protest of my words. Everyone was in shock, and I remembered what the Lord had taught me, appeal to the highest authority in the room. I calmly turned to the school board president, president seated behind me, And I said in a very calm voice, do we have to put up with this? Can she be escorted out of the auditorium if she continues? He agreed and silence fell. You could hear a pin drop. Light won that night over darkness. So in conclusion, we know God through revelation, through expectancy, through relationship, through his works, through his name. We hear God through his word, a still small voice, time spent with him, and everyday life and need. He speaks words of comfort to us correction, direction, preparation, and reminds us who he is and who we are. Aren't you drawn to this wonderful God? So let's um, close our eyes for a minute. And I'm just going to give an invitation. If anyone um, wants to come to Christ for the first time, would you just stand right now? We just want to agree with you on that. Thank you. Lord. All right. I'm going to ask for the rest of us to stand right now. And um, the worship team may come up. So open your hands if you're just wanting more of God thank you Lord Lord we want all that you have for us we want to be still before you and confident and knowing who you are and all we can do is give you thanks Lord show us every day who you are and who we are we thank you that you never let us go you never fail You never forsake us. We are forever grateful. Show us how to increase in knowing who you are and hearing your voice. I just thank you for these six weeks of Naturally Supernatural. You are supernatural, all-powerful, all-loving, and an intentional God. We love you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way.